You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Cal Usman, interviewer of the stars. But we were having a conversation the other day that it made me think a lot. Like, basically, it started off when we were talking about how when we were kids, Everybody would watch the same show on a Tuesday night, like let's say Happy Days with the Fonz. And on Wednesday morning on the school bus, everyone would be talking about that show. And I'm not saying Happy Days was so great or this was such a wonderful thing. They were, all the TV shows were pretty horrible. But now there's nothing that connects us culturally. You know what I mean? Like I can't say to you, hey, did you see? I can't even say, did you see the Super Bowl? Because I didn't see it. Did you? you probably saw it. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that, James, because... While I was watching the Super Bowl, I was thinking of our conversation. Huh. That might be the last thing that everybody watches at the same time, except I don't watch it. Beyond that, beyond that, all the commercials were filled with movie stars or, in this case, an athlete like Serena Williams, but like Sylvester Stallone, Ben Affleck, 
Jennifer Lopez. Uh, these were people that we all know. And so you're seeing an attempt to just try to bring everybody together on this day of the year, Super Bowl Sunday. And everybody is understanding that there are fewer and fewer ways to connect, but everybody's seen Rocky. So we can take Sylvester Stallone's face and we can make it the picture of Mount Rushmore and he could be climbing his own face and then he can sneeze on himself and fall in the snow. And we all understand what's going on. You do it with an influencer now, maybe 98% of the people wouldn't know who he is. By the way, this might not be a good or a bad thing. Like why should Sylvester Stallone and Jennifer Lopez be held up on this pedestal that everyone knows? And like, for instance, there's a YouTuber, I think one of the most popular YouTubers is this guy, Mr. Beast. He's got like a hundred million subscribers, but I wouldn't recognize him in the street, for instance. And now that could be a generational thing, but I don't know if all my, like my, I would say of my five kids and stepkids, maybe two would be able to recognize Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast. Yeah. Like, have you, <laughs> do, would you recognize Mr. Beast? He's got 133 million people subscribed to this guy. So basically it one out of every three to four people. Well, this is worldwide though, right? Yeah, worldwide. So like in the, but you know, probably a lot of kids that in, in that generation, like it used to be, okay, I understand if like the young generation doesn't know the TV show Laverne and Shirley from the seventies. Okay, I get it. But what we're really saying is that now in the same generation, there's no story that really could link people as a community. There's no, there's no water cooler conversation the next day. I imagine they get on the school bus and they go back into their worlds that are all separate. Like somebody likes Mr. Beast, another person likes this TikTok person, another person likes this Instagram person, another person's playing this game that no one else plays. You know, it might be a good thing because there are more sources of storytelling and knowledge and information and people can relate to different things. It shouldn't be all the same way that we all look up to Rocky. Everybody gets, can choose their own hero, much more finely grained. But what does this mean in terms of our ability to connect to others? I, I think that there's a real damage being done here because we are being disconnected. We have been disconnected, uh, certainly from 2020 until now. You know, there's data that shows that we spend less time with people we're close to now than we did before the pandemic. And, you know, reality is it used to be that you could go into your office and you knew your office culture. Every office had its own recipe, its own secret sauce. Now you got people working remotely. Some people may be coming in. I was talking to an intern, college student at Notre Dame, who went to work in an office as an intern and he was the only person there. Can you imagine in a big office, he was the only one there, everybody else was remote. 
And what did he do during the day? He was working, but he certainly could not have felt connected to the job. And I think, you know, people are meeting on these Zoom meetings. I get it. I use Zoom all the time. I love it. But it's different from the experience you're going to have when you are looking somebody in the eye, and you mentioned at the water cooler, just in a, in a down moment or, you know, the epiphanies that come up, the, the, the ideas that just come from being together, just the, the, the things that you would tell somebody that you work next to, that connects us. And that is being lost. And now you've got college students who oftentimes are in their rooms with their cell phones. And so it's leading to a culture of disconnectivity, while at the same time, technology is making us more and more connected. You know, and it's interesting too, because for health stuff, you know, I've done lots of podcasts about every industry, but you know, I would say one big industry is the anti-aging industry and anti-aging science and neuroscience and all this kind of stuff. And one of the most, maybe the most important factor correlated with longevity and not just longevity, but less examples of Alzheimer's and dementia and cancer and so on. One of the most important things correlated with that is social connection, in-person social connection and, and friendships and so on. And what you're kind of saying is that we're losing that a little bit. Yeah, more than a little bit. And you're absolutely right. I was reading in the Wall Street Journal a story about a study that had been conducted at Harvard, went back like three or four generations, where they were following, uh, started with males, but then interviewing not only them, but their kids, and then their kids' kids, and finding out about happiness and success and what they learned was that it was these relationships and this connectivity that was the, had the biggest impact on longevity and happiness. And so really just strikes me that one of the biggest things that we can do in this time is connect people, con connect ourselves to other people. And even connect ourselves to ourselves. What, what do you mean by that? You know what? I heard this is a crazy, crazy example. I don't know if you would, you should try this, James. And I, I heard it on a podcast by Mel Robbins. And she says, the most important thing you do in the next year is you wake up every day you go to brush your teeth, and right before or after you brush your teeth, as a habit, you give yourself a high five in the mirror. Now, she has an hour podcast on this, and it's like completely backed up by science. So in the mirror, and I'm going to do this, in the mirror, you just say, hey, hey, man, but it feels a little fake to me to do that. Two things are going to happen. One of two things. She said this, and I, you know, I was listening. And then when I went to do it, one of the things happened. So I said, wow, geez, sounds like she's right. But she said, you're either going to look in the mirror 
and start laughing. Because you're, it's just what you're saying. You're understanding. Oh, you know, this is kind of preposterous. I'm giving myself a high five in the mirror. But the other alternative is many people look down. They can't. It's hard for them to give themselves a high five. And here was the clincher on this Mel Robbins podcast. She brought her husband on to speak. And he could not look himself in the eyes. Huh. And, and he admitted in the podcast that he didn't see himself in a great way. And here she's looking at him one way. He was seeing himself a completely different way. Do you think it's the idea that if you do this, you'll start to feel better about yourself? That's what she says, that you're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to be more successful you're going to feel more connected and more confident. And, you know, we have been hearing these cries of mental health, mental health, mental health in, in groups from college students. They are feeling that something is off. Something is not right. But is that because conversations about mental health are more acceptable now as opposed to, let's say, 20 years ago? 30 years ago? Great question. But if you talk to somebody about a time where they tried to commit suicide, sometimes what comes up is they'll say they were looking for somebody to just stop them, somebody to connect with them in some way to get them to not do what they were thinking of doing. And so there does seem to be an element of feeling disconnected from people who are suffering. And, you know, I, I do agree. And there's, there's one part of your life, Cal, that I'm very jealous of. I mean, there's probably many parts of your life, but I can't believe that, James. Not with the life you had. Come on. No, no, no. You you used to have breakfast every morning with the same group of guys for how many years? Twelve years with Larry King, the CNN broadcaster, and I'm only now realizing what I lost when I lost those breakfasts because there were often eight people sitting at the table. Yeah, and it's not so much that Larry King was there. Like, I'm jealous of the fact that every day you got together with a group of like-minded people. I mean, you were an interviewer, Larry was an interviewer, other people were either Larry's friends from his childhood or, or other people in the business. And you just kind of shot the shit with them. Like, you just, uh, you know, talk, made fun of each other, talked about things, laughed. And in my entire life, I've never had a group of friends like that. Like where, yeah, like I see it in movies where like two or three guys are friends and they're always insulting each other and it's really funny and they pal around and they go through their ups and downs. I've never really had like, I mean, I've had friends, but I've never really had like a group of friends like that, even in college. What, what about high school? Because Larry always used to say, this is all high school. I've guys would start to 
get into arguments with each other. And like one argument could, you know, last a month because everybody egged it on. <laughs> and so it no, became- no, I, I didn't have that in high school. I would say the closest I ever came to that was when every day I would go to a local poker club and play poker. It was in 1999. I had just sold my first company and I was a little depressed. I didn't know what to do. And I just play poker every night. And then you're sitting around with a group of guys and some women who are just making fun of each other and kind of playing a game all night. But at the end of the day, also, it's it's not like having breakfast. You, you're trying to take money from each other too. So there's a little bit of a, a, a it's slightly different than friend, than friendship. But, but let's back that up because you said you did this right after you sold your company. Yeah. Now, did you feel like you were missing a connection when you sold your company? Because often I've heard of people who throw everything into their company and then they sell it, they make a great profit, and then they wake up the next day and it's, what am I going to do? Yeah, because a lot of that is not even about what you're doing, but who, what people do you know now? Because you're not necessarily friends with, I mean, you might like your employees and be friendly with your employees and, and customers, but I didn't really like my customers. It's not like I was friends with them. You know, I was friendly with my employees, but I wasn't like friends with them. And sometimes the, your relationships with your, the business partners even are too intense in the company building. So they sort of disappear afterwards. And, uh, I literally just woke up the next day, I guess, and realized I kind of had no friends. So, so it was a simu playing poker wow. is almost like a simulation of friendship because you're sitting around a poker table for, for let's say eight straight hours. You kind of have to do something. You talk to them a little bit and you, you're friendly, you get to know them and, and you look forward to seeing them the next night because you also enjoy the game. But it's not like what you had with the, Larry, with, with that breakfast where you're all just sort of joking around. Like you say, you get into an argument, but it's not like personal. It's just, you know, you're joking around, you're making fun of each other. You're questioning each other's intelligence. Again, I'm saying these things, I'm describing like a movie scene that I'm thinking of. I've never experienced this. And I, and I regret that. Well, you, you've seen the movie diner. Yeah. Yeah. And it's those, you know, high school, college age uh, guys. Or, or like the hangover even, like the hangover. That's right. It's just that's a bunch right. of guys. All they do is insult each other, make fun. And it doesn't have to be a bunch of guys. It could be a bunch of women too. I've seen. No, we, we had women enter and it was always a, like a wonderful thing. Yeah. I never, like, I I have have not really had like a group of friends like that. And now well, I think it's even harder for kids to have a group of friends like that because all their, a lot of their friends are online, which sort of reminds me of the, it's an artificial situation like uh, a, a, a poker table or, or a work situation or whatever. They're doing it their own way, but I, I got to just wonder about it. I, I don't know if in that last conversation we had, I mentioned the story where I was speaking at to a college business class. And afterward, a young woman came running up to me and said, you gotta hear about this app I'm creating. You just 
gotta hear this. Oh my God. I sometimes hate when people come up to me like that. I'm like, all right, (laughs) tell me. And for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to be bored out of my mind. Well, this actually struck me in a very different way. I was actually leaning in because she said, you know, they have these big conferences and people are sitting down at tables. And I have this app that will allow every phone at the table to understand that all these other people are around the table. They're at the same conference. You're all in the same place. And now you can talk to each other. And I said, well, (laughs) hold on here. Like, couldn't you just turn to the right and say, hey, how you doing? And she said, but they wouldn't do that. And that really opened my eyes to something. If, If you grow up, at a time where you're wearing earbuds and you are accustomed to just blocking off the rest of the world and only listening to what you want to listen to, it's a different game out there. And I, I just think that it's harmful in, in, in many ways. One of them is something you brought up whether we have this huge division in politics because basically we only agree on two choices. We were either gonna be like against abortion or for abortion or gun control or being able to have guns. And so the only way that we're connecting is either if we are connected to a group like all Philadelphia Eagle fans or Kansas City Chief fans. They have their own tribes. Or in this bigger way where oh, I'm red state, I'm blue state. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that that can be good for us. No, I agree because on the one hand, there's so many things about that. Like on the one hand, if you're red versus blue, or if you're blue versus red, not only do you believe I'm blue, so I must be pro-choice, he's red, so he must be pro-life. You have to now agree with the whole menu. So if I'm pro-choice, I should also be pro-mask and against hydroxychloroquine, and I, I want solar energy to power everything. Like I have to agree with everything or I'm a fascist. You know, <laughs> you can't even be mildly left of center and same thing for vice versa. And so people now, when they're like really members of their tribes, because maybe that's the only tribes they have now, I don't know. And by the way, none of that stuff, people listening to this might think, oh, well, you have to be serious about climate change. Aren't you serious about climate change? And they'll be really like, my my own kids tell me silence is violence. So now if you don't express, you can't even be private about your opinion. If you don't express their opinion, you're against them. If you're not, if you're not for them, you're against them. And so silence is violence is a, is a common phrase now. And, and then the flip side is, what if you actually don't care? <laughs> like most issues, I actually really don't care about because you don't have to care about every single issue. I'm not a congressman and I don't want to be one. I care about the ways I help people. Not I don't care about every way to help people. I, I, I completely get it. It's an interesting thing because I give these workshops at companies because 
The idea is that if people are working remotely, or many of them, then they are feeling a little distant from the company culture. And for a company to be able to bring everybody into one place and people to get to know each other in a, in a deeper way, it, it actually allows them to see the people around them with a view that allows them to behave the way you want to behave, to just say, you know what, I don't have to be every issue. I, I don't have to be just one way. Because what happens, from what I'm told, is when you're working in a company and you're only seeing somebody in a Zoom chat and you don't know them and they come on and they say something that you don't agree with or that you think is wrong, you automatically start having an opinion about that person. And if the person was working next to you every day and you had conversations with, with that person every day, you might find out that you really like the person a lot and would gladly tolerate that person's opinions that you might not have liked just to have that friendship. Right, like, like when you were having these breakfasts every day with a bunch of friends, did you really care if like one day someone said something you disagreed with? No, in fact, it was quite the opposite. We loved having disagreements because it was the conflict that could drive a breakfast. If you got two people going, then it, you get 15 good minutes. Right, like now my experience now is if you express an opinion that other people don't agree with, they won't like you. Like they just will this not is, like this you. is This is where it's a big problem, if you ask me, because we're not understanding that we can like the people. We just don't like one thing that they said. We don't agree with one thing they said or didn't say. And if we got together and we broke bread together, we would see that we really all get along fine. But, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little. Again, the segmentation of media and content has allowed for, we don't all have to be entertained by the same movie, Rocky or The Godfather or whatever. You could be into your thing. I could be into my thing. There's so much content out there. It's such a pleasure to just explore my interests. Like the other, like this Saturday, I spent a couple hours watching videos of about different presidential elections throughout history, which is an interest of mine, but might not be an interest of yours. And so you would never watch those videos. And so, yes, we don't have that water cooler conversation the next day, but it was very pleasurable for me. So that's to me, the devil's advocate. I'm with you on that. You can probably remember coming up on the East coast, you were getting like three major channels and then a couple of local ones. ABC, and CBS, NBC was everybody's channel. Yeah, and then you got uh, WOR, Channel 9, Channel nine, and uh, probably Channel 5, you might remember. Yeah, Channel, so Channel 5, Channel 9, Channel 11, actually in this order, Channel 5, Channel 11, Channel 9. There you go. And then after a little while, you got Canel 41 and Canel 47. 
But the reality is you could get to watch The Wizard of Oz once a year. Tops, yeah. There was just no other way. And that was a big day. Like the Wizard of Oz, this is the Wizard of Oz day. Or, or you know, Charlie, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Big day. That, if that, you missed it that year, you missed it that year. Right. So we had appointment viewing and that brought us together. So but it also sucked in that <laughs> I wanted to see it and I missed it. Well, that had its downfall. Look, I'm not saying that the old days were perfect and these days are hard to understand. Uh, all, all I'm saying is, it seems to me we're being more and more divided even when we don't want to be. Did you know several industries are heading for a hiring boom this spring, like e-commerce and healthcare? Surprisingly, hospitality is one of the areas with the most growth. The hospitality industry needs to hire for service positions, managerial positions, and back office operations positions as well. If you need to hire qualified candidates ASAP for any of these industries or any other industry, you need ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful matching technology to find the most qualified candidates for a wide range of roles. ZipRecruiter makes it easy to send promising candidates a personal invite so they're more likely to apply. Plus, ZipRecruiter offers attention-grabbing labels like urgent, training provided, remote, and more that speak to job flexibility. I've talked to CEOs who have used ZipRecruiter, and the reality is, for some reason, it is hard. Like everyone says, oh, there's a recession. Not true. It is hard to find qualified candidates right now, and unemployment is at a 50-year low. So you need to use whatever you can to find qualified people to fill jobs. So let ZipRecruiter keep your team growing strong no matter what the industry. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself. Go to this exclusive web address right now or after you finish listening to this podcast to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. I'm the only James that they know. So again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash J-A-M-E-S, James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit, was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly 
or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Let me ask you, you moved from LA to North Carolina recently and in part because the pandemic, just all social conventions broke down. Like these breakfast meetings stopped and and your, and your friend passed away and, and, and so on. So you, you figured, okay, you had things to do in North Carolina, family to take care of. You moved to North Carolina. How's, how has that changed your life? Well, when I moved back to North Carolina, it was to take care of my dad who was about 90 at the time. And it was the best thing I've ever done. So there are absolutely no regrets there. And yet on the other coast, I I left behind Larry King and then he passed away. And, you know, we lost the breakfast there. I go back to LA now and I walk around and there are no, there's no breakfast anymore. Somebody just said, Cal, you ought to just start a podcast breakfast with Cal and just see who shows up. It's not a bad idea. See, I I may do it, James. I may do it. Uh, And maybe have people on from all over the world. They can just show up at a certain time and Let's, let's see what happens. And so, but I'm just wondering now, you know, particularly since it's linked to health and longevity and, you know, we're all, nobody's getting younger. We're all getting a little older. Like, you know, and look, Cal, we've met in person a bunch of times. I've always, like, for instance, I could say to you, how's your son? Cause I've met him. He's been over my right. apartment. And like, when right. you have, 
when I used to do podcasts in person, people would bring people and I'd get to know people. Like my friends now are really the people I've met in person on my podcast. And, uh, but like right now, how do you hang out with friends? How do you meet friends? I just spent a few hours having lunch with a guy that I was turned on to in Charlotte. He's been living here uh, for, it must be 30 years or so. And he was basically showing me his Charlotte. And it was beautiful. Uh, we, we went and had lunch. And then he took me to the place to have dessert. And then we went to the yeah, place. No. <laughs> no, just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> and then we took the dessert over to the place where they had the best coffee and tea. And all along the way, this guy was like the mayor. He was just stopping and chatting. It didn't matter if he knew the people or not. He was an older, older guy. And I think older people realize the importance of that. I Yeah, I agree. Like the older people who, like, you know, Steve Pressfield, the writer? I, I don't know him, no. But you know who he is? He, he, yeah. Yeah. He has breakfast every morning, or he did pre-pandemic. I don't know if he still does. He, had, he has breakfast every morning with a bunch of his friends in Malibu. And, you know, he's an older guy. And I'm just so, again, I'll bring it up, like, that sort of thing where you just like know your group and like this guy knows Charlotte, knows the people around him. Uh, it's, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if eventually, you know, the younger generation, when they get older, they'll start doing that. Or if, if that kind of connection is just over forever. Uh, but I know I've missed it somehow and it's affected me by missing it. I, I will guarantee, you know what? Look, you're a comedy guy. You got your own comedy club. I did. I sold. I sold my part of the comedy club, my half of the comedy club, because I wasn't in New oh. York anymore. Oh wow! And that was actually my again my attempt, just like poker was. That was my attempt to be able to right. walk across the street, and it was a bar, you know, plus comedy club. It was my attempt to have my cheers. Like I would got to know everybody, and it was fun. But but you know what? I wasn't as because I was older. Maybe I felt a little out of place and not that social, even at my own bar. <laughs> like, I think I've lost that ability to, to connect in that way. Well, I, I was, I spent like a night with you there and you look like you were in your proper place, but that was only seeing it from afar. But let me throw this at you. No, but, I, but I some nights were better than others. And like, you know, if with you there and other friends there, I would enjoy it more. Well, thank you. I'm going to throw this at you. What is the difference between being at a table with four or five other people, somebody says something, and there is an explosion of laughter around the table. Everybody's laughing together. It's almost like chorus in a song, as opposed to one person alone in a room seeing something funny through their cell phone and laughing alone. Actually, I could tell you the difference. When you're laughing alone, you're usually not laughing. Like if I'm looking at something incredibly funny on YouTube, I'll think to myself, that's really funny. 
but I usually don't really laugh that loud. I might not laugh at all, even if I think it's like hilariously funny. Well, there, about there in, per, in person, there's an extra visceral connection to the 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 person telling the joke. I'm I'm not a brain scientist, but I, I will bet that if you have somebody who really understands what's going on in the brain, when you're at that table and you're laughing in conjunction with four or five, six other people, that different kind of chemicals are, yeah. are, are coming out and, and sparking your mind. And it like, feels great. Like, let me ask you a question. Like, when was the last time you laughed at something so hard, your stomach hurt, you're laughing? Uh, I, you know, a couple of times, I remember laughing at those breakfasts. Uh, and it, it came... Uh, it was a little raunchy, so I'm not going to tell this story. Sure. But it 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 came in a place. There were look. There were a lot of people who worked in comedy who would come by that breakfast table. I don't know if you remember a show, Laughing. This yeah, is back in the day. Okay, that yeah. now. Okay, to your point. Back when Laughing was on TV, there was only those three major networks. And so roughly at the, at the least 33% of the people were watching it. In this case, they, they were getting ratings like that first year. And then, then the president would come on, like a president was, Richard Nixon was on that show. To have the president on a comedy show like that, it, it got like six out of 10 viewers. So. Yeah. Everybody was in the same place and laughing at the same thing, and we understood each other. This is a long way. I, I don't know if you caught this. In the beginning of January, Stanford had come out with a report. They had given a group of people the license to go through the language and look for words that we should not say because it was not good for us. And one of the words was America. They said, you, you just, we, we shouldn't use that word anymore. If you want to use American, you should say U.S. citizen. Yeah, no, I did see that. And another word was, you know how like when you're doing a, a clinical trial on a drug, it, right. it should be a blind study, like one group, like you oh, shouldn't, no. we shouldn't select uh, who the people in the groups are because there might be a bias. So you have to do a blind study. So you're, the scientists are not aware of who, which person is in which group. Uh, you can't use the word blind study anymore on, at, on Stanford's campus. Are people who are blind opposed to that? Do they feel like they're being ridiculed? And if so, okay, I wouldn't say it, but we now have people looking searching for ways to disconnect us. Yeah. Because when you can't, when you no longer can say things that you've been saying for decades and you have to feel a oh, little uncomfortable, like you're walking on eggshells when you speak, that makes you feel disconnected. And yeah, I, I, I'm not trying, I, I don't want to, offend anybody in any way no if someone doesn't like blind study they need to look in their mirror and high five themselves a little bit more 
Because <laughs> like that's just that's like saying, oh, you can't say Star Wars because stars don't really go to war. <laughs> like it's like kind of breaking things up in ways and putting them back together in ways that don't make sense. You're just doing it, like you say, to disconnect people rather than connect people. It's Orwellian and the real sense that in George Orwell's 1984, there was thought speak, like you couldn't say certain things. Well, imagine, and this is what I'm getting at, and this is why I'm going out of my way to give workshops and speak about connectivity and bringing people together because there seems to be so much energy in the other direction to push us apart, pull us apart. And I don't see much of a burst of energy to connect us, to make us feel like we're part of something, and unless it's some particular silo, that's a different story. But I, I'm talking about overall, I think we can really feel better about ourselves if we understood you know, the lives of the people that we were working with, if we understood our neighbors. A lot of people don't know who their neighbors are now. Yeah, no, in, and particularly it's an interesting problem in New York City. Like I would have most of the time, oddly, the only time I really got to know my neighbors so well that I even went on a vacation once with some of my neighbors was when I lived in a hotel. <laughs> so I lived in the Chelsea <laughs> Hotel for a while and ha about half the people lived there and half the people were just, you know, tourists, guests of the hotel. And so you get to know the people who aren't the guests. That is remarkable. You had the most friendships in a hotel. It makes sense in a way. Yeah. Because they all came to New York to connect in some way. And even if your reason wasn't to connect, you put yourself in a place where other people wanted to connect. Yeah. And, and there was some degree of like-mindedness. Like, you know, there were a lot of artists there. There were a lot of writers there. It had a history of that kind of thing. And you also knew if you know, it was kind of neat being, you know, there was an in-group, out-group thing. Like, you're not one of the guests, you're one of the permanents, you know, who live there. Well, that's a little bit like Larry King's table. Yeah. You were a permanent fixture at that table. You had a seat at the table. And one of the things that I was able to do was, like, bring people to the table. And it was a... You gave them an experience. Yes. It's a bonanza. Like, and like this is what I'm wondering about Mel Robbins' technique. And I, I love the idea of trying to give yourself a high five in the mirror. And I'm going to try it myself as, uh, even though it, it feels to me a little bit like, you know, my, your brain knows when you're bullshitting it. And I, and I'm just wondering if that, if there's real, uh, science behind this or if there's a placebo effect, but I want to try it. But I'm wondering if, that's the replacement now because we don't have the breakfast table where you get that kind of support and acknowledgement that you're a, a real person worthy of breaking bread with. You know, when two countries go to war and then they, when two tribes, you know, who are against each other come together, maybe like in a marriage, for instance, uh, they break bread, they have a meal together. And, you know, maybe because we don't have that now, we have to like high five our mirrors in the morning. 
I'd never heard of anything like this until early this year. I think she put out the podcast in in January. And when I first heard about it, my eyes rolled. Like, come on. But there's all this data. When NBA players in like the exhibition season would give themselves high fives or you often see them slap slap hands or touch hands after somebody messed up. It was a way for the teammates to say, it's okay, we're with you, we're behind you. That is what makes better teams. And there's science that explains why. Maybe I gotta come in in a white smock next time and bring my statistics with me. But we all know, you you watch the best team in any sport, and you'll see that these people have been playing with each other for a long time. They almost don't even have to talk to each other to know where they're going to be on the field or the court, where to get the ball, because that's just where the other person likes it. They can glance at each other when they see the defense in a certain way. Here it is. Here it is. You know what I'm going to do. I know what you're going to do. And we're going to score. So I don't think there's any denying that we are better off connected, whether it's at work or whether it's at school or whether it's in our neighborhood. And and yet, we don't really seem to be making a push to do that. And those who want to either tear us apart or who, for their own reasons. So what are solutions? Okay, well, there, I, I, I'm going to try the high-fiving thing. I, I, I quasi made fun of it, but I think it's probably a good idea. I, and you know what? I, I need something like that in my life. I, I know. And you can email me right after you do it. I know you can email me saying, I looked in the mirror and I laughed. I know you. No, no. You're I gonna, think actually I'm going to be more like her husband and not be able no to look way. myself in the eye. Not, not a chance. You are going to laugh. All right. Because, well, you you tell me. Because <laughs> there's something about the experience, even knowing that you're going to laugh, that <laughs> you just can't help it. And you uh, just, have you have you been doing it? Yes. And how's how? It, what's the effect on you? It, I always go to the mirror and smile. And I look. I know. That part of it is, you know, you can say bullshitting yourself. I, like, I know all that. And yet I look at myself and I see that smile and it's like, okay. And it's not much different from when we all got up from the breakfast table and somebody said, carpe diem, seize the day. That's <laughs> the feeling. You look at yourself, you smile, seize the day. And do you find that since then you've had more days that were seized? I'm told 
In fact, I, I know a story of uh, of someone, and I think a lot of athletes do this, maybe people in business, maybe you've heard of this before, but when they want something, and this could come from Napoleon Hill's book, uh, the idea of writing your goals down and putting it on your bathroom mirror and seeing it in the morning, it's planted there. And then at the end of the day, going back to the bathroom mirror, you're brushing your teeth again, you're looking at it again, and you can say to yourself, did I do everything in this day to help me achieve that goal? Mm -hmm. And it, it forces you to look at yourself and, and see if you did seize the day or if you wanted the goal in the morning, but really didn't do much to get it during the afternoon. And now you got to confront the fact in the evening. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's good actually. Uh, uh, but I'm wondering like with you guys saying seize the day to each other. And again, in a semi humorous way, as if making the day sort of bigger than it might feel, um, if that did induce you to, seize the day. I think just saying it, put it in your mind that something great is out there. Yeah. And let's not overlook it, which is another part of what I'm trying to get across because things are in front of us all the time. And we can ask a question we can step toward them, or we can just walk around them and saying, I don't want to look at anything new. I, I don't want my day interrupted. Part of seizing the day to me was being open to a possibility that might be mana from heaven. And you, 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 That's interesting. So it's kind of almost like a reminder, both the high-fiving in the mirror and you and your friend saying, seize the day in the morning. It's a reminder that things could be great, that this day could be a great day, a greater than normal day. And like right now, everything's like so small and chopped up, like content, our interactions with each other being almost totally digital. Our dreams and hopes become almost like these micro dreams compared to what they used to be perhaps. Like the day doesn't feel like it could be great when you're just kind of waking up and then going to your computer and you're silent and wow, and you have like random things with hundred people on them. You know what? I never thought of that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because here's the thing, the great thing about Larry King, you know, basically his dad died when he was nine. He wanted to be a broadcaster and didn't go to college. In New York, it, to break into broadcasting, you needed experience. He, he basically was locked out of his dream and somehow he met somebody who worked at CBS who told him, go down to Miami. You, you, they have no unions there. It's a great way to get started. And he got on a bus and showed up with a little money in his pocket and from that moment, simply by seizing days, he was able to become Mr. Miami and have everybody listen to him every morning 
as the DJ. And after that, to have somebody notice him and want to have him have a show that went all over America every night from 11 to 5. He got that. Had Ted Turner on that show. Ted remembered how good the interview was. And so when Ted was starting CNN, he called up Larry. And now the next thing you know, this guy who never went to college, who couldn't get into broadcasting, who had a friend whose dad owned a hat shop and said, come work for me and you'll, one day you'll be a foreman. One day you'll get three weeks vacation. He just kept going. And the next thing you know, he's one of the most well-known people on the planet. So when he says, seize the day, it means something. Right. And he's done it many times. That's, that's right. And it wasn't all a nice, easy climb. One of his, one of the things I always remember him saying was every step back is a step forward. You know, the bad shit is coming to all of us. There's no way to get around it. You just have to see it as an opportunity, seize the opportunity and take it forward. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Like I always used to lean into my bad times knowing, hey, this means a good time's coming because you know, necessity is going to drive innovation for me and I'll, 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 I'll figure this out and I'll succeed and it'll be in ways that I don't understand now, but it will happen. But I think now, uh, again, despite the 
segmentation of culture and the fact that you can watch your YouTube videos and I'll watch my TikTok videos and we'll all be happy and, and so on. I think we're put into these ghettos where we, where we think direction, there's only one direction. You're either going up or you're going down. And uh, it's, hard, it's hard to grasp that things could be personal and individual and you could rise up despite what all the TikTok videos are doing and Instagram videos. Like, you know, people look at Instagram and YouTube and TikTok and there's evidence of this. They get, they get jealous. Or like, why is my friend with that friend? And why am I not, was not, why wasn't I on this podcast or why am I not interviewing this person when this person is? So everything feels like it's going down and then you have to pick yourself up from that. Um, I don't know if you experienced that. I experienced that. You, you, you know what? Somebody told me it was called the doom scroll. Mm. <laughs> you just start scrolling and you just start to feel unhappy. Yeah. And to me, there's a big difference. That's what I'm getting at here. There's a big difference between being alone in a room, scrolling and feeling a little unhappy, and being in a group of five people and laughing. Yeah, because even if you're having like a bad time in your life, right then you're laughing. And, but if you're, if you're left, if you're having a bad time in your life and you're left alone with Instagram, there's not going to be anything there where suddenly you say, man, that was a great scroll. <laughs> that was the, <laughs> that was the day. <laughs> no, you know what we always used to say, and, and that was the other beautiful thing about that breakfast. There were, it could be eight people at the table. Maybe somebody was a lawyer. Maybe somebody was in real estate. Uh, obviously, Larry was a broadcaster. Uh, somebody was a pharmacist. Somebody was a comedy producer. And if you had a problem, it was like divided up by eight because everybody took a little piece of it and the comedian made fun of it. If it was a problem in real estate, the real estate guy or woman gave you advice. And, and so your tensions you had your, your team pressures. like like what you were saying about the sports team you had your team that's exactly what it was it was it was getting that that little hand slap that says we're with you so what's the solution like what and by the way i have experienced this in the past year approximately a year ago i played in an like real person over the board tournament it was the southern uh, the Southern team championships for chess. So I had a team about five people and we spent a few days together as a team trying to win this team championship. And it was great. It was like so much fun. And, uh, I enjoyed all the meals with them and talking to them. I didn't even really know these people beforehand, but it was so much fun. It was the funnest time I'd had in a long time. And it made a difference. You know, I started to veer my podcast off to healthcare when COVID started. And I think it was just because it was like the biggest thing yeah. happening. And I, I don't know if I was presumptuous enough to think that I could really change the system, but I just kind of threw myself into it to understand what all the problems were. And I, I'm coming out of it 
now is believing that the best thing that I could do for people is to, in some way, bring them what you just mentioned, to get a group of people together, whether it's in their companies, whether it's in their universities, and have them understand the power in this dynamic in a, a single high five and to maybe take a little of what I'm saying out into the world so that they start looking for these connections in, in groups. So, so really the solution, there's no real simple self-help style solution. It's just simply find some people to have breakfast with. Not necessarily every day, maybe one day. Look, it could start one day a week. It start one day a month. Once you get those five or six people laughing, then let's see what happens. Maybe we want to do it again. Maybe you want to see if you could assemble your chess crew that you enjoyed. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe you're all in different places, but if not, if you all were in one place to just have another meal. I believe that if we could do more of this, we would really feel better about ourselves and we could solve a lot of problems. You know, let, let's look at it this way. I'm sure you heard about the story of that six-year-old kid who brought a gun to school and shot his first grade teacher. And there's ample evidence that the teacher knew you know, that this, this kid, uh, there were reports that this kid has brought a gun to school. And I think at least three times, somebody tried to connect with the assistant principal to say, like, we got a problem here. And it went undetected. If you had a bunch of people at that breakfast table who heard about this, there is no way that it would have just gone pushed to the side because you would have six people mm. saying, what, what's going on here? We got to look into this. And six people are, it would make a different dynamic than one person coming in and said, well, this, this six-year-old, he, he had the gun in his backpack. Then they searched his backpack and somebody said they saw him put it into his coat and, and then the talk was uh you how could somebody hide like a six-year-old hide a gun in his coat that's ridiculous well if if six people are talking about it you have a connected group who are going to want to see something done and so i'm just saying that what little i can do to try to bring people together, whether it's in companies or at universities, I've, I feel really good about it. Because if I can, even if I do it for five people, I've changed five lives. Well, Cal, I mean, I think it's really great what you're doing. And I've always appreciated our friendship. We've known each other for a fair amount of time now in, in James years. like. I don't know if people for, for too long. So like, 
Yeah, I've known you, I think, since 2018, perhaps, maybe even earlier than that. I forget the exact year. But, it, you know, through COVID and through, you know, I've seen you in LA, I've seen you here. And uh, uh, look, I hope we get together again soon. We're not that far from each other. My kid goes to school in North Carolina. So when I drive up to see her, I could stop by Charlotte I, and, and we should have breakfast. <laughs> the next time we see each other, we will have breakfast and we will high five. And by that time, you will have taken the high five test in the mirror. You'll have yeah, stories to tell. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and you know, talking about this, it it really makes me think. All that time that passed during COVID, I, I kind of got locked in taking care of my dad. But what would it have taken for me during that time to, in some way, reach out to you? And I, I, I didn't do it. I got, I got lost during COVID. And this, Me too, though. Maybe a lot of people did. Like, I disappeared. I, I think in some ways, except for my dad, I disappeared too. And I am coming out now. I'm out in the sunshine and going to really try to connect with as many of my old friends and form new friends because I realize... This is a solution to a lot of problems. And we could have a part two about this where I could explain how this will make a difference in healthcare. I could explain how the whole, the whole nature of what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia was set up by the way Zelensky was able to connect with people. It was, it was him right at the start saying, I don't need a lift. I don't need a ride. I need ammo. And right. then getting everybody to understand that what we're doing is connected to you. If we go down, then you're going to be looking at the same problem. And when people can connect like that, it makes a difference. As well as when somebody who is in a situation where maybe they don't have health insurance or they got health insurance that's not good. And I know a guy had problems, testicular torsion, and he goes to a facility that wasn't very good and he's disconnected. Whereas you know the right person, they make the right call, and now you can go in and see the physician who can take care of you. And that connectivity, it just touches us in every single way. You know, I've lived more than half of my life, but just really coming to discover that if you're connected, there's always hope, there's always a solution. If you feel disconnected, man, it's all on you. Yeah, no, I... That resonates so much. And well, Cal, thanks for once again coming on the podcast. And listen, seize the day. <laughs> you seize the day too. And I really do expect an email after you tomorrow morning. Do that, do that high five in the mirror. I want to know what happens. I'm going to smash the mirror. It's going to be so seven years <laughs> no, no. bad luck. <laughs> No, 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 you're going to laugh like you're in your comedy club. I hope so.
All right, Cal. Well, thanks so much. And I All will right. see you Thank next you, time. James. Take care. Seize the day, brother. Seize the day. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.